I'm Alison Braddock, Marketing and Business Development Manager for SRUC Veterinary Services. And as we approach what would have been traditional liver fluke peak season in autumn winter, I'm going to be chatting with Heather Stevenson, Veterinary Investigation Officer Dumfries, about forecasting for liver fluke and tips on monitoring livestock. Hi, Heather, and welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Alison. Happy to be here. Thank you. So um, my first question is, um, how has this year's weather in Scotland impacted on liver fluke? The reason you have to think about weather conditions in relation to liver fluke is because a large part of the liver fluke life cycle happens out with the animal in the environment. And that's because the stages of the liver fluke parasite have to spend part of their life cycle within the mud snail Galbotroncatula. So all the environmental parts of the life cycle need temperatures above 10 degrees C and they also need uh, wet damp conditions so the fluke forecasts in the main are based on rainfall um, and traditionally these forecasts were developed in the 1950s and 60s looking at the rainfall and conditions between May and October. So um, Heather um can you remind us of the clinical signs of fluke? The clinical signs of liver fluke depend on the age of fluke that's present in the liver and also the number of fluke that are present in the liver. Mm-hmm. After very wet summers, when animals get infected with large numbers of immature fluke, you can get sudden deaths, you can get animals that will lose condition very, very quickly. And if they're infected with smaller numbers of liver fluke, the fluke, they are feeding on blood as well as damaging the liver. So if there are smaller numbers there and they develop to the adult stages, then again, it can be a cause of ill thrift. They become anemic. Uh, Sometimes you'll get animals that develop swellings underneath their chins um, and that's due to protein loss. Okay, so so what other parasites should we be aware of that can have an impact too, Heather? Well, one parasitic worm, Haemonchus contortus, can mimic the clinical signs of liver fluke. This is a worm that lives in the abomasum and it also is a blood feeder. So you can get similar signs of of anemia, um, bottle jaw with the swelling under the chin and ill thrift. Haemonchus contortus is seen most often in the sort of southern counties of the UK but it can be found anywhere from the south of England right to the north of Scotland so it's it's one to watch out for because you can get caught out by it if you're not expecting it Uh, but in general liver fluke would be more common. Okay, that's that's really interesting. So how would a, a testing strategy actually help with fluke control? This year, if you think about what the weather was like earlier on, we had a cold spring, then we had a very dry spell in June. And that spell in June in particular wouldn't suit the environmental stages of the liver fluke and it wouldn't suit the mud snail intermediate host. 
and that dry spell will probably have delayed um, development of fluke in the environment. So it might be that this year that we don't see high levels of disease when we would normally expect to. Um, usually we think about October and November as, as highest risk for liver fluke. And it might be if people were to treat at their normal times this year, they might actually be treating a bit early. So one option that's becoming increasingly popular as a means of trying to avoid unnecessary treatments or mistimed treatments is to actually collect some blood samples from animals in their first grazing season. These can be tested for antibodies to liver fluke. After infection with liver fluke, animals will produce antibodies within sort of two to four weeks and although they have antibodies it, it doesn't protect them against the fluke they, they're not immune to them mm -hmm. but these animals in their first grazing season can act as sentinels for evidence of infection so really this testing you, you're aiming at testing lambs or calves in their first grazing season if you were to test adult use for example you may find positive results but it doesn't guarantee that they have current active infection with liver fluke because the antibody levels can remain high they can remain detectable after the the sheep have been treated or after the, the fluke have been have died so you're really targeting targeting it at lambs so for example across the course of september we had 20 submissions of blood samples from lambs and and that was a total of 151 lambs that had been sampled and in September only two of those actually gave positive results. So last year people continued to do this testing into November and, and December um, and really it, it showed that a lot of a lot of the animals didn't actually need to needed didn't actually need to treat it. And of course if you've got lambs that are close to slaughter weight um, if you can get away without treating them, then then that's good because yeah. then you don't have withdrawals to worry about. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing to bear in mind, of course, is it's useful to look at the test results alongside other information. So local knowledge is important with liver fluke. There will be some farms that have issues with liver fluke, even in years that are low risk for liver fluke and if you know that your animals for example have been grazing particularly wet fields where the conditions are likely to be right for the mud snail intermediate host then testing blood testing may not be appropriate or certainly it would have to be interpreted carefully but in low, low risk areas and in animals that have been grazing relatively dry land then it, it's definitely a useful technique and it could also be if you were getting it could be combined with other testing for example if you were checking trace element status in your lambs then the testing could be carried out on the on the same samples. Oh that that's really useful to know actually Heather. Um, can you give us an update on what you're seeing in the post-mortem room? Is there anything interesting happening there? With regards to liver fluke, uh, we're not seeing any signs of infection at mm -hmm. the moment. Um, lambs 
that have come through the post-mortem room have had high worm burdens but no sign of fluke infection up until now in the animals that have been submitted. Okay, that's 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 really useful to know. Um, we're talking about fluke forecasting. Who, as a vet and and also as a farmer, who do you what what resources do you suggest people use? Well, the, it's NADIS that usually produce the forecast, and there will often be information available in the farming press. As I said before, one thing to just be aware of is that the forecasting systems were designed quite a long time ago now um, and we can have temperatures greater than 10 degrees extending well out with the May to October period Uh, so I think you just have to be aware that the environmental conditions for the development of liver fluke will the window for those will be extending Um, beyond that May to October period so I think it's important if if anyone is worried that any of their animals either have clinical signs that they suspect could be due to liver fluke or they're losing animals then it's important to get some investigation done and, and work out exactly what's going on. Okay that's that's really interesting um so Heather what is your key take-home message for vets advising their clients with regard to fluke? I think this this autumn and early winter is a good opportunity for people to test for evidence of of exposure to liver fluke uh, rather than just necessarily treating as they would routinely um, both to avoid mistimed treatments but, but also just to avoid unnecessary treatments as well. The reason that a blood test for antibodies is a good way of doing this is following infection. That's the first test that becomes positive. The The test that you can carry out on faecal samples, the copper antigen ELISA or the fluke egg count, don't become positive until much later after infection. It takes sort of 10 to 12 weeks after infection on average for fluke eggs to become detectable in in the faeces. So Heather that's really interesting so what other resources um, are there for for vets and farmers? There are two organisations one aimed at sheep one aimed at cattle. First of all we have Sustainable Control of Parasites in Sheep or SCOPS as it's more commonly known and then COWS which stands for Control of Worms Sustainably Uh, but they they will both have information where they both do have good useful information about liver fluke on their websites which are easy to find find just by googling either SCOPS or COWS. Okay, th- thank you very much, Heather. That's been really interesting and a very useful recap on fluke forecasting and fluke control. And uh, thank you to our listeners. Uh, we hope you found this podcast useful. Mm-hmm.